to the Skeptic Wire. January 2014, episode 12 squared of the Skeptic Wire. Oh dear, you're going to make us do maths, aren't you? That'd be 144. I see. Pretty sure that's 12 squared. All right. We're off to a roaring start. Yeah. <laughs> Let me see. 12 times... So I'm going to do math on the podcast. 4, 2, zero, 2... That can't be right. <laughs> <laughs> Riveting television, Gary. Riveting. Ha! 144. Uh, we're educating the listener, as we always do. Yeah. So, yes. So you're Gary Lawn, right? Oh, yeah. Let's get back to that. Yeah. You have the podcast. Let's see. <laughs> I'm yeah. trying try to figure out where my math went wrong. <laughs> oh, I see what I did wrong. You're yeah. going to have to edit in some sounds of crickets over exactly. you doing the math or something. Exactly. <laughs> So, it is episode 144, which is 12 squared of the Skeptic Wire. I am Gary Lyon, your host, and with me this week is Greg Perrine. Just so you know, it just so happens that Polar Vortex is the name I used to strip under, so uh, uh-huh. don't get too confused when you look at the news stories this week. If you... I'm sure there's some videos online. Probably. Pole dancing, Polar Vortex, you know. Oh, I see. That's, that's why you know, I was given the name. And I whip around so fast, and I'm so cool on that pole. <laughs> and when I lick the pole, I stick to it. I'm just going to cut all this. I'm just disturbed by this. Uh, this thing. Anyway, so- imagine, dear listener, just how much disturbing stuff Gary has cut out for me over the years. Yeah. Uh, Donna can't be with us this week because she is traveling. Apparently she's gone from the West Coast, and now she's going to London, England. I thought it was the other way around. I don't know. She's traveling for work. Yeah. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah, which... <laughs> so, how... What? I've been listening to too much NPR. <laughs> <laughs> so, Craig, how is your week? <laughs> Act one, birthdays. <laughs> the the yes. American public life, or whatever the hell. American public life. <laughs> <laughs> this American life, I think. Yes. Um, anyway, bir- so. Birthdays. 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 Um, there's a, a glut of birthdays today, but I'm just going to focus on one. A glut or a glute? Because no. a glute could be an ass load. Um, no, I'm just going to keep going <laughs> No, I don't know what to say. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, first of all, I will mention a shout out to remember our 100th episode, our live, last live episode. We brought on one of our friends, Kelly, to uh, participate in the lightning round with us. It's her oh. birthday today. So happy oh, birthday, well, Kelly. Happy birthday to the Kelly. Yes. Um, but more importantly, January 8th, 1935. Do you know who was born that day? Walter Cronkite. No, but not a horrible guess, at least not as bad as some of your other guesses in the past. He did pass away August 16th, 1977. Uh, Carl Sagan. No. 
Nope. Uh, was <laughs> very, very, lying. very famous. Probably more famous than Carl Sagan. Liberace! <laughs> no, but you're getting closer, actually. Just as um, big of a personality. Um, and I'm, unfortunately, just I, I would I, it's almost like any clue I'm going to give you is going to be um, giving it away. So what what form of entertainment science or skepticism science stuff was um, this person in? He, I said science twice. <laughs> <laughs> he was originally a singer, but also did some acting. But is mostly being mentioned on the skeptical podcast because many people don't think he's actually dead. Oh, uh, yeah, and we discussed him the other day, right? No, you said he's a singer, though. Elvis? Elvis! <laughs> Elvis, born today, January 8th, 1935. Oh, yeah, he's uh, he's working at burger joints these days. Yes, uh, the, it, it seems to be, there's not a consistent story of how he might still be alive. Just like with any, I, I would group this with other conspiracy theories, in that, no, he faked his own death because he wanted to get away from... Uh, the big lights and and being famous. Sure, and all just that. like Kaufman and the and the dude from the Doors. Yeah, ex- exactly. So I mean, it seems to be the faked his own death story. He's used a lot, despite the fact in a lot of movies, it's like, oh, he was abducted by aliens, or he was an alien and he just went home, or um, yeah, nice uh, men in black reference. Yes, exactly. Or um, he's he he's been copied by some. Um, hold on. He's been cloned? Cloned, yes, thank you. Or he got a body double to finish out his life because he didn't like being alive. So, sort of like Paul McCartney and Pete Best. No, not Pete Best. Yeah, Pete Best. That, yeah, that that sort of thing. So there's not one coherent story, just like there's not one coherent Area 51 or JFK story. There's just lots of little conspiracies depending on what you want to believe, but... Um, yeah. I choose to believe that every single chicken recipe that uh, that is uh, based on him is actually true. That that's that like 126 or something. Very popularized by him. Every things would do with bacon and bananas and stuff like that. You yeah, mean? Uh, yeah. Every every single recipe because you know he was a big eater later in his life. <laughs> so I choose to believe that he enjoyed lots of different styles of banana and peanut butter, a uh, fried banana and peanut butter. Or maybe it's a peanut butter and fried. It's a fried sandwich that has peanut butter and bananas on it. Interesting, you should mention his eating habits because <laughs> apparently one of the I, I I wouldn't necessarily call it conspiracy theories, but one of the alternative theories on how he died because this person he believes on a banana. he is dead. No, he smoked a banana. No, he uh, bu- a banana tree fell upon him while he was on the toilet. No. <laughs> it has to do with toilet stuff, though. Uh, well, I mean, it's it's documented that he died on the toilet, possibly by drug overdose, I think? Well, oh, the mainline theory is that his... The mainline theory. <laughs> the drug story is true. <laughs> the popular theory. Ah, popular. Is that um, because of his vast drug habits? I mean, he was doing lots of prescription pills by the oh, end. Yeah, I actually um, have no idea. Had exacerbated an enlarged heart that he had already had. Well, he always had a big heart. Well, no, literally a oh. enlarged heart. You mean you mean like the Grinch? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but um, apparently, um, Doctor, what is it, George? 
Nikopoulos. Who also treated uh, Michael Jackson, I think. No, he didn't. Maybe. This was, <laughs> apparently this is a doctor who had worked with Elvis a bit. His conspiracy, his, well, his theory is on Elvis's death that Elvis essentially died from an impacted colon. That in his last several years, because of his eating habits and probably all the drugs, because a lot of drugs that you take can cause constipation, he was not passing a lot of stuff, which is why if you have photos a couple weeks apart, he would look incredibly vastly different, like swings of 20 pounds or whatever. That's impressive. um, So his, his idea is that just it was the poor colon health that killed him, not the heart attack. Type oh thing, yeah, but well, I mean, it all kind of adds up. So he can die of one very specific thing, but caused by a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah, so that's at least a little bit more plausible of an alternative theory to him dying. But the fact that the idea that he's un- he moved to Arizona under the name like John Barrowman or something, or wait, no, hold on, John Burroughs—that's what it was. That. uh not John Barrowman, he's the sexy guy from Doctor Who and Torchwood. Um, so, not that Elvis <laughs> Presley wasn't sexy in his day, but um, it's not. he's no John Barrowman. Where am I going with this? I don't know. Um, but the idea... <laughs> the the impacted colon idea is more plausible than I this think whole I finally, fake his own I think I finally thing. get to say it. Sounds like a Freudian penis. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> I finally said it. You've only been saying it like every single episode since. Uh... I haven't said it very much recently, <laughs> but I do take your point because I do have about, uh, coincidentally, about 144 jokes and they just, they repeat on a cycle. So, uh, <laughs> be prepared for repeats. <laughs> no, we don't repeat episodes. We don't do reruns, Gary. We bring live, fresh episodes to our listeners each and every week. Sure we do, but... Unlike Elvis, who's dead. Who's dead. Yes, but a million Elvis fans can't be wrong. Yes, yes, they can. (laughs) All right, so Elvis, uh, which... uh, Has left the podcast. He's left the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm off. I'm getting out of here. (laughs) So Elvis was born in Mississippi, but we're not going to talk about Mississippi. We're going to talk about another southern state. Yeah, because Mississippi is okay. (laughs) <laughs> I've been there. It's it's okay. It's okay. But it's not, not as, great. It's not horrible. It's it's okay. Yeah. But not as okay as okay. Correct. Which would be which is okay. Which is Oklahoma. So Oklahoma. Exactly. So good they had a whole <laughs> musical about it. <laughs> or as opposed there's there's no like big song and dance Broadway number about Mississippi. Yeah, there's M M I S S I S S I B P A I. From what? I don't know. Cats. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Tom Tom Tigger was singing about Mississippi. Yeah, exactly. Well, we... well, there's there's Mississippi's burning. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't think that's a Broadway musical, but if it isn't, it should be. Yeah. Well, there's there's lots of songs about Mississippi or that have Mississippi in it, but yeah. Wow, between the math at the beginning of the episode and songs about Mississippi, you're really getting a little OCD on trying to make sure that you know what you, you have to Google whatever we're talking about at the moment. 
Thank goodness you didn't have to Google about Freudian penises a couple minutes ago. No, I Googled that a long time ago. <laughs> Let's talk about the satanic uh, statue that people are proposing for Oklahoma. Oklahoma City received a donation of a Ten Commandments statue, which they lovingly placed up in front of the Oklahoma State House. Yeah, there was a special dispensation from one of the state senators that allowed this to happen. Right. And it was all private money, but it was on public ground. And right. we talked about this a few weeks ago. Yeah, again. and it's 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 the this the same basic uh, church state separation thing. Uh, for some reason, the Austin the State House can have the Ten Commandments, but it's not in the front. The Ten Commandments statue is actually around the side. So <clears throat> at least it's not like ah, even though it is. Ah. But <laughs> but they but they have the uh, historical whatever reason for that but and it's just been around for a hundred years yeah, or something like right. that so it has hor- right but oklahoma city state house does or oklahoma state house doesn't have that because they just put it up right so now that falls under the ledger domain of everybody and so the satanists oklahoma satanists um and now the, I think, New York Satanists, they drew up a goat-headed Baphomet. 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 I'll go with Baphomet. Baphomet figure. Uh, I love the picture of this. Yeah, so they, they want to build a seven-foot-tall monument uh, with Baphomet sitting there in t- two So children. it's this, this big throne with this goat-headed god sitting there with a pentagram it's or behind pentacle him. behind him right. and two loving children sitting on either side. It's like they're about to sit on Santa Claus's lap. Right. And he's going to be sitting, Baphomet's going to be sitting there saying, you can actually sit on Satan's lap. Yes. Well, Baphomet's lap, which is kind of a representation, whatever. It's been funny, as Donna would say it, the kind of just shitstorm of apoplectic rage that the absolute Christians have decided to about this satanic monument, that this is horrible. How dare you suggest this? You're mocking Christianity, and this is just the worst thing in the world that could ever happen. Sure. It's just hilarious. I think what would have been, what probably could have got them easily in is if they would have put like the satanic commandments right next to it, which would be which would be a, like a, an appropriate response, a directly appropriate response, which is kind of like what uh, do no ill towards people and right. treat Mother Earth guru. I don't Except know. Except that, that you can't legislate how other people express their religions, True. which is how we're getting into this problem in the first place, because that's why we had this separation of church and state for two hundred years, because. Back in the revolutionary days, the Baptists didn't want anybody else telling them how to be Christians. Right. And they didn't want Catholics contaminating and there, and there anything. Was, right. And there was a big problem, especially when Kennedy was elected, about it, him bowing to the wishes of the Pope. So that's why you can't tell anybody what their privately funded statue is going to be. Right. If you're allowing religiously based statues on public grounds, you have to let people do what they're going to do. You have to allow a flying spaghetti monster. Right, the you have to allow a right. yeah. <laughs> oh. So this is uh, as you said, and as right, uh, just caused everyone the, the Christians just go, oh my goodness, and so uh, this week actually, uh, Dave Silverman went on 
what the hell? Christian Carlson, Fox yeah. News. Yeah, the uh, the uh, blonde haired, uh, basically attractive uh, female pundit. Not the morning show <laughs> blonde haired female pundit, right. or the midday show, or the evening show, but the other uh, midday show. Yes, uh, blonde haired, uh, generally good looking female pundit. And apparently he's he's going on there quite a lo- quite a lot, which is cool. Yeah. He goes on there with um, what's his face from the Catholic League, Bill Donahue, or yeah. And then uh, <laughs> some, it's, it's it's almost like some a Jewish guy. It's a beginning of a joke. A a a priest, a rabbi, and an atheist walk into Fox News. Yeah, but um, bum. Exactly, <laughs> and, and it basically is. And what, what's hilarious about uh, this particular one is they were kind of talking about about this. Um, is Dave Silverman tweeted that he was going to wink at all of his his friends because uh, uh, American Atheists got a hundred thousand likes on Facebook, and so they interviewed the, or they introduced him. He gives us a big wink. He smiles and gives us a big wink. I'm like, yeah, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was so it was so ridiculous because they gave what six minutes for three people to throw out their views. Yeah. And it it really centered mainly on the rabbi. I think he could be a rabbi or the Jewish representative. And the guy just had diarrhea of the mouth and didn't say hardly anything. It was just completely insane. But Dave Silverman was, once again, the voice of reason. So, yay. <laughs> and he did make, uh, make uh, Gretchen... Uh, retract her, state, or her statement saying that the atheists wanted to put up a Satanist right. monument, which, of course, why would we do that? <laughs> we, we support the rights of the Satan. We support the rights of the Satanists to do it now that this Christian monument is up there. Right. Because, yes, it's Judeo-Christian, but really, seriously, it's the Christians who are really focused on getting these Ten Commandment mon- monuments up. Yeah, and I, and I would I agree with with some of the accusation that Dave Silverman said should have said they should take it down and put it at a church yeah because it just because then just leave it completely secular because it's it's a better solution yes and then you don't have to deal with any of this unfortunately but, you get some people who react to the first suggestion of this should be taken down is oh you're anti-christian you're, you're trying to silence us, us. Yeah, we're all no. persecuted so they say okay fine since you guys react that way we got to put everything up right and it's that's all the, or nothing that right that's the way it should be <laughs> <laughs> so i can't wait for the scientologists to put up their uh their yeah anti- i think when we talked about the satanists um <laughs> announcing their statue the, also, the Buddhists were mentioning that they were going to put up a big statue of some figure from their religion, and it was going to be a personal figure of some god-ish thing. Mm-hmm. So it was like the Satanists in that it's going to be... <laughs> Satanists. <laughs> so, what? They're, uh, they they like tanning? <laughs> Say, tanists. I'm sorry, I have a cold. <laughs> but that it, was, it wasn't going to be a text-based monument. Okay. Either so, and and that you mean goes back. An icon. Yes, exactly. <laughs> a a uh, etched figure. <laughs> well, it it really kind of goes to the point of well, if these Christians had their way, they would put up a statue of Jesus. <laughs> sure. 
and and they start with things like the Ten Commandments to just have that wedge of, well, you allowed us to put the Ten Commandments. Exactly. So what's, now we what's can... the Ten Commandments without a big Jesus standing behind yeah, it? Yeah, or, or we've put up the Ten Commandments. How about you let us put up the Sermon on the Mount? I mean, blessed be the cheesemakers. Everybody loves that. <laughs> So why do you have, let's put up the, the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, now we got the Ten Commandments and the Sermon on the Mount. Well, let's pe- show people who said the Sermon let's on the Mount. Let's build a great bloody arc around this. No, thing. no, that's not Oklahoma. That's Kentucky. Oh. So, yeah, that's true. Uh, switching gears just a little bit here. Uh, everybody, I hope, who's listening to this, we've probably mentioned it 20 times in passing in the last six months, year or whatever, but um, out in Kentucky, in Williamstown, they... Issued, um... That's the town that William owns, by the way. Are you going to fuck with my pronunciation the entire broadcast? <laughs> no. Or is it um, pronunciation? No. Or pronunciation? Pro- pronoun. It's Potato! Pronoun. Potato! It's pronoun <laughs> C-A-A shun. <laughs> no. Anyway. So Williamstown issued some municipal bonds that were unrated, apparently the junkiest of junk bonds that you could actually <laughs> yeah. sell. They, they, were, they were absolutely – there was no stand there, behind them. And ironically, there's no faith in these bonds. No. no <laughs> because the, um, the Noah's Ark Park, which is part of the Ark Encounter Bible theme park that Ken Ham, I think – yeah. wants to put up as part of the Answers in Genesis Creationism Museum complex, um, they needed to raise approximately, what was it, $73 million to right. build this ark and its surrounding exhibits, and I guess buy the donkey to put in there or whatever. Yeah, and, and for the roads and infrastructure, ba- yeah. everything basically. And they had raised about $15 million before the bonds were sold, so everything else, maybe another... Uh, fifty-five or so million was needed for yeah, these bonds, and I bonds. think they needed twenty-four, twenty-four million just to start. Right. So, what so far, as of a few days ago, January third, of that fifty-five million dollars in bonds, they've sold about twenty-six and a half million. That's so, just, half. That's still amazing that they got that far. Yeah, they need probably another twenty or thirty million dollars in these bonds. To reach their goal, but the funny part is, because there's no faith behind those bonds, there's a trigger clause that hits, I think it's February 6th. Trigger warning. (laughs) Spoiler alert. (laughs) That if they don't raise the full amount by February 6th... Nobody gets shit. (laughs) Nobody gets shit, and essentially, what, what was it? Hold on. It was apparently on February 6th. If they haven't raised the minimum of $55 million, they will trigger a redemption of the bonds, which is essentially saying, all right, you haven't raised all of it, you got to pay it back, or something like that. Or you, you have to pay back the city, the full $55 million or something like that. So we got a little bit of schadenfreude going on here about <laughs> these these bonds that, in in the eyes of the secular side of the world and the scientific side of the world is saying this is a big violation of church and state and it's just bad science and why are you getting in bed with these Ken Ham answers in Genesis wackos and it's not going to be a big popular park because there were parks in like Florida and Alabama or something Jesus land or something that have all failed they don't get the draw that are always promised 
Yeah. Well, they, well, they do. They do. They get the kitsch appeal for a good year or so, and then that's it. Yeah, and then yeah, they I mean, die they, off. Yeah. I mean, Six Flags, for example, is constantly going through cycles of of not quite making it. Right. They have the big Batman ride when the Batman film comes out, and then it ebbs and flows down a bit, and then they have the Harry Potter ride. Yeah, they, yeah. So they're 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 constantly having to replace stuff, which is mm-hmm. in itself a, a large expense. And Unless then they not have even to get do... started on SeaWorld and that whole shitstorm that's yeah, going yeah. on now. Yeah, exactly. And, but but SeaWorld actually is an even better example, and, and that's it's closer to the Ark Park than than Six Flags because uh, they have rides and they have animals. Yep. Right. And and they built the park around the animals, whereas they're building the uh, the Ark and then planning to just put animals in that so they're not even planning i seem to remember some of it was some of the animals were going to be animatronic and some were going to be real or something yeah, like but, that i mean you yeah. just i mean there's you have to have a certain amount there's there's a big article online i'll post it but it went through all the things you have to do just to meet minimum safety requirements for these animals and yeah. the arc First of all, the Ark in and of itself doesn't meet those. And the Ark <laughs> Park is definitely not going to meet those. And yet someone thought it would be a great idea to say, yeah, let's use public bonds to raise this money and tax-free bonds or something like yeah. that. Although Tax does... breaks and the whole thing for this park that is bad scientifically and is going to probably fail after a year or two. Yeah. Although it does, you kind of wish that there were dinosaurs, so you could put the dinosaurs on the ark. But then you realize it's going to be some poor minimum wage kid who's just looking for a summer job that's going to be eaten by the <laughs> by the, the dinosaurs. So that's no good. Ken Ham needs to go out there and take care of them. Yeah, you know, because because it'd probably be cheaper for Ken Ham to get Velociraptors because they're small. Sure. To put on as opposed to like a Triceratops or a Brontosaurus. Well, they all have to be babies. Remember. Yeah, but still, I mean, <laughs> baby velociraptors, they'll tear your kneecaps off. Sure they will. Yeah, ankle biters they are. <laughs> As we learned from Jurassic Park, they are lethal at two weeks, and they do mean lethal. <laughs> so speaking of a- ankle biters and people who don't know what they're doing, Ken Ham. Ken Ham, yeah. So we think this may be a, uh, a pub- well, it is a publicity stunt. Ken Ham has agreed, or rather... Bill Nye has agreed to debate Ken Ham at the Creation Museum. Uh, in February 4th. Yeah, February 4th in Kentucky or wherever the hell it is. Yeah. It's supposed to be a fundraiser, but I did the math. <laughs> and there's a, it's a 900-seat uh, hall, 900-seat hall, and the tickets were $25. And they're already sold out, so don't even bother. Right. Uh, so, but that's only $22,000. <laughs> well, I don't remember hearing that this was mainly a fundraiser. I think I mean, all this came about was because Bill Nye posted a video last year sometime basically saying that creationism is bad for kids. That It's, it's bad to teach kids tra- creationism because right. it's bad science, it'll halt progress, and it's... It's overall bad, but so essentially Ham's response was to invite Bill Nye to debate, and that is basically bringing in someone like Bill Nye to essentially kind of give creationism and the Creation Museum and Answers in Genesis a certain amount of, uh, for lack of a better word, respectability. Credibility. Credibility. Which which has always been... These scientists are willing to engage in us, which is why they're calling the debate 
quote, is creation a viable model of origins? In it's, today's it's, modern it's, scientific it's, world. Yeah, it's, oh, I, uh, I have the short version here, apparently. But okay. the whole idea is to associate creationism as one of two possible viable explanations for the origin of life. Therefore, well, can they're on equal there. ground. Yeah. In, yeah. in the eyes of the world of, well, Bill Nye went there to talk to them. It's, it's, it's kind of like the pitfall that, um, Richard Dawkins has essentially said, fuck it, I'm not going to do it anymore. Right. That he doesn't want to elevate creationist yahoos to, not, not conceded to his level or anything like that, but that creationism just doesn't have a leg to stand on. It's not an equal footing. Right. He doesn't want to give them even a, a place at the children's table. Yes, exactly. And which which is exactly what a debate, formal debate, does, because you're, you're meeting them on what, what you're considering common ground, uh, which a lot of people have said this a lot better than I am, but... <laughs> You know, by by bringing them, it 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 shows. Ah, oh, goddammit, we already just said that. Um, the fact is that Ken Ham's trying to elevate creationism to be seen in the same light as 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 well, evolution and that. He yeah. thinks it's, it's a perfectly viable and, and biblical. You, in a debate, you're trying to say, well, these are on equal common ground or whatever, but it's not on common ground. It's on biased ground. It's in the Creation Museum. It's right. in Kentucky. He's uh, Bill Nye is going into the wolves' den, right? And, so, and, and the real problem is that we've never seen Bill Nye debate. He's given talks, but we've seen you know Matt Dillahunty, Aaron Raw, uh, Christopher Hitchens, right? Uh, oh gosh, Dave Silverman, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, JT Eberhardt. Like all these people have gone up, and they know. They know what the, the pitfalls are, and you know it's the Gish Gallup kind of yeah. thing, and they know and the so, rhetoric, they know the tricks, they know. Yeah, and 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 uh, Matt Dillahunty uh, <clears throat> talked about this on the Atheist Experience on on Sunday. He's hoping that Bill Nye will do his homework, and at the end he will tell the people, you know, this is this is how look at how this debate worked. I made scientifically valid claims. He made assertions. I tried to address the assertions, and he just made more assertions and never addressed mine. And that's right. exactly what's going to happen. If this isn't what happens, I will be greatly surprised. But Ken Ham is notorious about not, well, telling the truth, basically, and, and ignoring everything that the other person is saying. And, and you see this with, oh, what's-his-face, Banana Man guy. Ah. Uh, Poor, Ray Comfort. Ray Com- poor Ray Comfort. Not even the top search on Banana Man. No, I, I guess he's he's happy that you know he's not hasn't been Santorumed. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so Ray Comfort, uh, I, he he uh, Thunderfoot went uh, and videotaped and talked with him. Didn't have a debate with him, but had a discussion with him, and. Oh, who was it? The the Rational something squad. This is a long time ago. Rational response squad. Rational response squad had a prime time debate with both Ray Comfort and Growing Pains Boy. Kirk Cameron. Kirk Cameron. And it was just it was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. You know, they they came with and they're they're not even scientists. Yeah. You know, but they came with with facts 
and things that you can look up and research and, you know, peer-reviewed evidence. And these guys came with the Bible and pictures of a crocodile. Right. So you have – I mean these are basically debate team kids who know how to debate and frame an argument without maybe actually saying anything. Right, but it's, they're also... It's the, if you don't have the facts on your side, just pound on the table kind of... Which is the new way, it's, it's the Fox News way of debating now. You just yeah. yell over them and, and just ignore them and just move on. So if you have an honest debate, then you have people, res, you know, call and response and response and call. But this is not going to be an honest debate. Yeah, it's going to be closer to a political debate where well, it's going to be it's going to be oh. a scientist getting up there and a preacher getting up there. The preacher's going to preach and the scientist is going to shake his head and go, "I really have no idea where to even." He's start. going to give the David Silverman <laughs> kind of, "Are you full of shit?" Look, yeah. that meme look. Yeah, so I'm I'm actually I'm interested in, in seeing this. Well, um, it's it's going to be at the Creation Museum, so the audience may be packed with creationist people. Yeah, but tickets fine. are all sold out. You don't know how. Well, you can you can watch it online. Uh, there, you can watch it for five dollars online. There's I, I saw some articles that that hasn't that's been kind of rescinded that they haven't decided what they're going to do with that. It may actually be broadcast via TV somehow. Yeah, or released on DVD. Yeah, so we'll. So I'm I'm waiting for it to be put up in parts on uh, YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> you, you really? Yes, exactly. Because I do not want to yeah. give a single. That's penny the thing. To you the think of Museum. all you, this eight or nine hundred seat theater. And we would like for scientifically minded people to go there to be to balance the audience out, so Bill Nye feels some positivity from the audience. But you also don't want to give the Creation Museum an ex- any extra money okay, than yeah. they already get from the ironic visits to the Creation Museum by like PZ Myers and that sort of thing. Sure. So uh, yeah, but it'll be interesting to see, and you really hope that Bill Nye is going to. Like you said, maybe come down here to Texas and do a debate camp with Dill Hunty and Aaron Ra or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it'd be it'd be nice if he if he reached out and and talked to people who've been in this situation before, especially with Ken Ham because yeah. he's done so many. On things. the other hand, Bill Nye, uh, because of who he is and his demeanor, may actually be a little bit more effective. Than say Matt Delahunty or Aaron Raw, he'll win them over because he's an entertainer Be- as well. Well, yeah, but because he's Bill Nye, the frickin' science guy, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And so, because a lot of the the Christians are obedient to authority, and they may recognize Bill Nye as an authority. Okay. Um, he may, maybe he won't convince them, but he may he may put some cracks in in the seal around them. Right. Which, and might get a few fence sitters, that sort right. of thing. Right. And then when something comes up again, they may go, oh, well, wait a minute. I remember I remember Bill Nye saying something about this. That's the hope. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I have, you know, gr- obviously great respect for Matt Dillhunty and, and Aaron Rock. Those two guys in particular. Everybody else can fuck off. But those two guys. I <laughs> know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> just because those guys are in Texas, you know. <laughs> And us Texas Nickly. podcasters have to stick together? Sure. <laughs> anyway, so that's coming up. Supposedly, you may be able to watch it streaming online. I'm pretty sure you'll be able to see it uh, uh, shortly thereafter on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so watch the critical thinking YouTube channels that you critically think what critically thinkingly watch. <laughs> because more than likely, it'll, it'll pop up there. Yep. And then you won't have to give them a penny. You know what also pops up from time to time? 
Uh, no. <laughs> Get your mind out of the gutter there, Gary. I'm talking about crop circles. Crop circles, not crotch circles. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, crop circles. Interesting that, that they should crop up sometimes because usually they're pressed down. But, you know. But they do appear ah, out yes. of nowhere. They pop up as in whole. And for years and years and years, it's a very s- typical skeptical thing that, you know, years ago in the 80s, you saw the opening credits for Unsolved Mysteries, and they'd always have a few pictures of crop circles and okay. some mysterious thing going on. So apparently out um, in California, just uh, southeast of San Francisco, a massively complex crop circle popped up. On the farm of... Uh, Intelligently designed? Scott Anthony. Well, maybe, because apparently some of the aspects of this crop circle were that um, the Braille number for 192 was repeated throughout the design of this crop circle. Oh, that's clever. As in little mini circles of the dots of Braille to say 192 or 192 or whatever. Because um, <clears throat> aliens, aliens know Braille. Know Braille. <laughs> and it's very easy to read Braille... On a crop circle, <laughs> which is 300-some feet across. Well, giants, you know. <laughs> exactly. So it, it was a bit of a mystery where the hell this came from. And you knew that this was definitely something that was made on purpose. Because some of the original crop circles were just a plain circle. And then they started getting more and more intricate in that, like, a line and then a circle and then a line at 90 degrees and yeah, another circle. they got circle. better at it. Yes. They were more <laughs> in, more more artistic. And this was definitely artistic because it has a, a line circle around a central square that has lots of squares and doodads around it. And there were a lot of people saying that it was, you know, you had things like that 192 was about the... Atomic weight of iridium, or something like that, or one of its isotopes, and that you you just had a lot of the usual UFO type people coming out and saying, "Well, this must be the UFOs trying to communicate to us about their home because on internet addresses, if it's one nine two, that's your home network, or something like that." And apparently, that means that the UFOs know that we know that. That's the message, or something like that. <laughs> and anyway, that's, that's where all the porn goes. Yes. <laughs> 192.0.0.1. But the whole big crop circle looks like a big circuit board. And that's the clue to what's going on. Right before the Consumer Electronics Show this week, uh, the company NVIDIA came out and said, yes, this was a publicity stunt for our new. A Tegra K1 chip that has 192 processing cores in it. That's so cool. That's the thing. I mean, I remember when dual core was a big thing, but um, I guess I'm a little grandpa now. <laughs> and the idea is that this even more powerful chip may bring faster graphics processing at the level of your desktop computer to your handheld phone. Well, that kind of advanced technology. Great. And it was basically the... The heads of the company said, hey, marketers, you've got a shoestring budget. Do whatever you can to basically viral this up for us. And they did it. They they probably – they brought in some 
probably some of the original. Went out and bought some anthrax and covered it up and <laughs> passed around. No, 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 no. Viral like meme like Facebook oh, and YouTube. Okay, yeah. Jesus, you always go to the dark places, Gary. Um, <laughs> that was a pretty straightforward shiny place. <laughs> oh, you mean dark humor? Okay. Yes. Um, they probably went and found some crop circle makers from. Um, England or something, because that's where a lot of the original crop circles popped up. All the best crop circles are done by English yeah. people. Brought in a couple guys, they designed <laughs> it, and boom, one night while this farmer was off on vacation, they it's they old basically science. ruined his barley field. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> no, no, that's fine. That's fine. You just go off in your own little I'm world. I'm using myself. This thing was a very short mystery. Yeah. Because you could tell... It was purposely designed, and that some people actually had a serious thought in their head that this must still be some alien landing pattern or something, or that it's a message from the aliens or something. And it's these things have been shown to be hoaxes and just artistic expressions. You know it's going to be someone is going to come forward and saying, yeah, this was because Jamba Juice wants to sell a new smoothie or something like that, or a microchip or which, whatever. Which would be cool to do it in the barley field because you might have like barley in the Yeah, in the, the wheatgrass sure. smoothie type thing. Sure, so or that, something. that would be a good mo- – I don't think <laughs> the chip is made from barley, but, you know, whatever. So, yeah, it's – and it's sad that the – Essentially, mainstream media, however you want to say that. Decide... You mean lamestream media? <laughs> they were being pretty lame in that they were pumping up this hype of, this was just a crop circle. It's not aliens. It's, it's a not a good mystery. crop circle, It's though. very beautiful. <laughs> it's performance art. Yes, Let's it leave is. it at that. Let's not add any other mystery to it. Media, certainly now, it lives on the unusual. The and shocking a, story. Yeah, yeah. So, Not much shocking about a crop circle. Maybe you need more like somebody killing their uncle with 120 dogs. Oh, yeah. I heard about this. <laughs> Someone who likes basketball. Yes, yes. Kim Jong-un? Yes, exactly. That, that whole thing with Dennis Rodman and... They're best was, friends now, you know. Oh, They're all texting each other and hanging out. so surreal. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you have like this seven foot two guy versus this four. And foot he did like a whole guy. Marilyn Monroe "Happy Birthday, Mr. Dictator" kind of thing. Did he really? I think he sang it to him and said "Happy Birthday, Mr. Dictator." Well, I yeah, that I, may I, be heard, I heard he saying "Happy Birthday" to him, but uh, he, he has been known to wear a dress. But that'd probably get him killed in North Korea. So uh, maybe. And and the thing is, you hear such outrageous stories from North Korea. And some of them do turn out to be true, like the idea that there are these essentially uh, political prisoner camps where people are sent because they're dissidents and they live there all their lives and children grow up in those camps and don't know anything other than that. And it's just this perpetual community of prison camp life. That apparently turns out to be probably real, but last month it came out – or. Earlier this month, uh, it came out that Kim Jong-un decided that he needed to get rid of his uncle, Jen Sok Thek. I'm going to go with that. And because it was a political rivalry or something, consolidating his power or something like that. Um, and the stories were going around this, lack, this last week or so 
that apparently Kim Jong-un had used the measure of 120 dogs who had been starved for like a week to kill his uncle that they were left in a pen and starving for a week and apparently didn't eat each other. But they stripped down the uncle and pushed him naked into this pen with the dogs and they ripped him apart. Sure, typical uh, schlock type of... I don't think that really works. Yeah, I don't think it would, because exactly, you know, things like the dogs would turn on each other first. Well, presumably you're you're keeping them in separate pens, and then yeah. you throw the person in. But uh, it, but it's it's basically uh, slanderous stuff. Not that you can really <laughs> slander an evil dictator all that much. <laughs> but yeah, so it, they're they're saying that he he threw his uncle literally to the dogs. <laughs> yes, exactly, and and it's one of those things that. A, uh, these stories that come out of North Korea, because it's North Korea, people have a, more of a tendency to believe them because it's North Korea. Well, it, yeah. you think about the the propaganda that both the United States and Germany threw at each other. Well, the United States threw at the Japanese and the Germans. Yeah. And then uh, what we threw, or what the United, uh, what the uh, Propaganda through at Soviet Union after once they became our unfriend once we unfriended them <laughs> on international Facebook, you know. So it, it's not it's not really surprising. It's it's kind of a typical oh look how horrible this person is kind of right. thing. You know, let's bomb them into you know last week. And and that's one of the reasons why people are saying that they were start when they first heard of the story about the dogs started to be skeptical because you had people like. Well, not people, because you had nations like South Korea who weren't really touching the story at all. Yeah. And South Korea not only has motivation, but they have, they have vested interests. They, in yeah, interest. they're, they are they're looking for these kind of stories to embarrass North Korea, to put them down on the international stage, to make South Korea look better, to make North Korea weaker so that they have a better bargaining position in negotiations and military engagements and and all that kind of stuff but the south koreans weren't really touching it at all and on the flip side the chinese government who are the allies of the north koreans except for the fact that the story seemed to originate out of hong kong which is technically chinese kind of not but anyway um The Chinese government wasn't really touching this at all. So you had the enemies of North Korea, South Korea, not touching this at all. And you had the allies of North Korea not really touching this all to deny it. Mm -hmm. So it seemed like everybody was just like, you know, this is stupid. Yeah. The people in the know in that region were saying, no, no, I'm not going to even justify this with a response. And apparently the source of the story in Hong Kong is almost as tabloidy as you can get. Almost kind of national, the National Enquirer kind of level story. Weekly World News? Yeah. Daily Mail? <laughs> exactly. So it came from a weak source that didn't credit any sources on this. Right. And so it just, people picked up on it, and then they said, oh, well, it was in this paper. And people go, exactly. oh, it's in the paper. Well, what can you do? <laughs> you, you can just say... When you when I first heard the story, even before I didn't really read into it, it was like, really dogs? Yeah, no, he just he just killed his uncle, you know, just yeah. like you would normally do. You, yeah, I mean the yeah, the official was, story is that it was a firing squad. Firing squad. Although I, that's uh, a lot more efficient. Yeah, you know what? Okay, maybe maybe you go out and spend for the really pricey bullets. 
Yeah. So you spend like five bucks on bullets. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm not certain that Kim Jong Un is the the uh, Saddam Hussein's uh, sons or what were they, nephews, sons, uh, who actually did have uh, golden bullets or something. Well, like that. no animals that they would throw people to like oh, tigers okay. and or lions lions and, and, throwing yeah, christians to the like lions it. kind of thing yeah huh. um but but who also had the you know who were over the top orgies the whole thing because they were all powerful kim jong-un is a little over the top i mean this well, whole yeah. dennis Rodman thing is over the top and 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 they do portray this this almost medieval ish um image of themselves of the lord and master and i well, am they're gods yeah, yeah exactly well, so sons of gods. It's it's the kind of thing that wouldn't be entirely surprising, but there's really just not enough oomph to this story, newsworthy wise, to say yeah. you take it seriously. So it's as a skeptic, you kind of say, eh, ninety five percent, it's probably not true. Yeah, the first thing when you when you hear something like that is you have like this big emotional response. You're just like, like oh my god, that would be horrible, right? And then you just kind of want to like. Fill in a chart that yeah. shows where your emotions are following, how, how it feels. On your I was body. more thinking that I would look at my dog and say, "You're not going to eat my face, are you?" But yeah, that that too your would dog, also. If you died and your dog got hungry, hungry, she would eat your face, right? Which would make me feel bad, and right. so I would have to go color something. Exactly. Uh, perhaps if it made you feel bad, you could color in a form of a, of a human and show where you were feeling your emotion. Or lack of emotion. The reason we're saying this is because... <laughs> it's because a, we're mad! We're mad, I tell you! Uh, a team of fiendi- uh, fiendish... A team of fiendish researchers... <laughs> I thought you were saying a team of female researchers. It's like, why is that important? Finnish from Finland. Finland, Finland, Finland. No, we can't talk like about this be. story. Because they're not finished with it yet. Oh, goodness. Down, down the easy path. Why are you even happy about that? (laughs) I love puns. Uh, So uh, some Finnish researchers created heat maps of where and how emotions are experienced on the body. And that's kind of almost Uh, a direct quote. That's the headline. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So they took 701 participants. Well... No. This is they, seven, they had, 773. Yes. Okay. Well, their their end value was actually 701, but... They must have had some dropouts. Okay. So this is, this is what they did. They, uh, over five experiments, there were 701 people involved. So individuals involved. So they could have been same people, but just... No, the same people. They could have been the same people, but over in each experiment, if you add up all the people that were involved in each experiment, it comes to about 701 or 773. Okay. Okay. So what they did is they had these, uh, each participant uh, was given a an emotional word. Right. Let me back up. They assume that uh, classical and recent models of emotional processing assume that emotional feelings are triggered by perceptions of e- uh, emotionally related body states, okay. and that these states are reflected in the skeletomuscular, neuroendocrine, and autonomic 
nervous systems. When we think or feel an emotion, in addition to thinking about it in our head, we feel it in certain places in our body. Our bodies reflect it, right. And so they... And because there are, you know, I felt butterflies in my stomach, uh, I get cold feet, uh, you know, stuff like that. They thought, well, maybe there's something to these, right? Because a lot of people, when they get nervous, they get, their stomach gets upset or they they feel in their stomach. So what they decided to do is they they ran um, uh, five different experiments. And so experiment one was uh, the participants were uh, reporting body sensations associated with six, quote, basic and seven non-basic, quote, complex emotions, um, as well as neutral states. And so the cool thing is that they had each participant had two bodies in front uh, on a screen. And so with a mouse on the left-hand side, they would say, okay, I am feeling something here. I'm feeling you know, some stress or, or, or whatever in like my arm or my belly or my head. Okay. I'm feeling happiness and I am having a sensation in, in exactly. this part of my body and they drew it in. Right. Uh, so yeah. So let's say, let's say, uh, the word fear. It's like when you think ah! about the word fear, where are you feeling sensation? So they had one body that, that had, they felt something and then another body where they were supposed to say where it felt neutral or less where kind of, you know, they didn't feel anything. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a, I thought that was kind of a clever thing. So it wasn't just one. You actually had the, the, the positive and the negative. One body was the plus, one body was the negative. Exactly. So, uh, and the second one, in the second experiment, they did the same thing but with short stories. Okay. And the third one, they did the experiment with short films. Each story or film meant to associate with one of those words right. to express an emotion. To, right, to, to bring out uh, a complex or a simple emotion. And uh, they also went through and made sure that in both the short stories and the films that neither of them mentioned or alluded to the emotion that they were supposed to feel. Right, the okay. love story did not say love, 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 exactly. love, love, love. Exactly. Uh, so, uh, so in experiment four, they showed pictures of six basic facial expressions and they didn't tell them what the emotion was but then they had them map out what how they, they felt yeah okay and all then the, the time doing these drawings of i feel positive on this side in this feeling on my body the other side i feel less there for some reason right and then experiment 5 they had 87 independent participants they showed them the body state maps from each basic emotion in experiment one. And they were kind of doing a forced choice recognition. You know, if, if you saw, if you, if you felt like your stomach going in your brain going, uh, it felt heat and then you didn't feel anything in your legs. What emotion do you think you would feel? Kind of an inkblot test. Yeah. Kind of a, what do you associate with Intensity in these areas or exactly. de-intensity in these other areas. Exactly. And so these were 87 completely new people. Okay. Okay. So they weren't involved in the other four tests. And that's kind of cool. And they showed that uh, with all of these tests, there was a very good statistical map that, that showed that uh, when you felt fear, uh, you would receive sensations in very particular areas of the body. Right. That one seemed to center p- very strong feeling in the middle of the chest. Okay. Sure. Um, now, and what was also interesting is they did this with Finnish people and with uh, Taiwanese. So 
getting that cross-cultural element. Exactly. And so there was a correlation between both cultural groups and they were using their native language. So it wasn't like they were saying happy, happy, which interestingly enough, happy actually was not associated really with any particular area. Uh, people felt happiness in different areas. Okay. But it's more over it was, the entire body. body. Wide. Yeah. yeah. Um, so less less localized. It just you felt good all over. Exactly. So then what they did is they uh, went back and they mapped them and they drew up heat maps on where people said that they mostly felt. I guess the problem I have with the use of kind of the heat map colorology of it mm-hmm. is that it's got so many connotations with it that it would be um, you could easily invert the colors for the experiment for display purposes and not associate so much with it. Because right now, you know, the usual idea is you have an intensity of emotion. Well, that's red. Well, you could flip that and like cold feet where, damn it, I'm, well, I lost that magic. Well, no, because as, as you uh, pointed out when we were talking earlier, uh, well, the, the, the sentence uh, from... Uh, VentureBeat.com. Scientists have conclusively proven that love gives you the warm fuzzies and sadness makes you feel blue. Right. I, I have a problem with the, the experimenters just using that, so the, the color spectrum, the heat spectrum, right. which could make you think along these terms of you, you're warmer when you're happy, you're colder when you're depressed, those kind of things. It, Right, so you're saying it just, that it, it's a danger zone to me. <laughs> okay, it, it, which which apparently kind of happened here now that because obviously the the way they do it is blue meant less intense yeah. or even moving away from black was kind of uh, neutral, neutral and then yeah. red and kind of white was actually very intense and so. In the infrared spectrum, for example, like if you're looking through an IR scope, those are the colors you get yeah. for very cool to hot. And that's exactly what these guys uh, kind of said. It's like uh, yellow indicates the strongest amounts of activity followed by red, black, dark blue, and light blue. Where probably that's just all the average of all the stuff that the the subjects filled in. They probably yeah. <laughs> They probably had two black figures, two black silhouettes on either side, and probably just filled in with white or just one color where they said they felt more positive and more negative. So they, they, the subjects themselves may not have had any connotation of color going on, but in order to be able to average all the focus of emotion so that... Fear was mostly focused on the chest. That means more people filled in the middle of the chest so that to to show the bar graph of more, they used bright yellow, right. almost white. Exactly. Where, unfortunately, looking at the human body, you think more red, more heat. Oh, it's a heat map. That means people actually are hotter when they're feeling happiness or something like that. Yeah, right. I just, it's, and that's, and that's actually problematic. Right. And then again, in this article, instead of saying more intense or less intense, uh, they used yellow or warmer yeah. or, um, warmer colors, that sort of thing. Yeah, right. Yeah. Because like it says, interestingly, the pride body map represents happiness, love and anger in its yellow across the head and chest. So 
the yellow means more <laughs> intense. You know, yeah. it's not like you're actually feeling yellow. So yes, you're right with with that. The, it would have been actually kind of been interesting to to have done that and then seen how people took like that's a, like a second experiment, <laughs> right? And this could well be an experiment in yeah. itself to see what kind of idiots say, "Oh, I'm feeling blue," because <laughs> yeah, I'm. Because yeah. it, yeah, it's a, a bloom. Whereas it's perfectly viable to say that when we're nervous, we have an intensity of something going on in our stomachs. Yeah. So we have an intensity of feeling there. We have a psycho That is perfectly physical viable to response. experiment and show that people are reporting, well, I just feel icky in my toes when I'm depressed for some reason. But only one out of 100 people said, I feel bad in my toes when I'm depressed. So that's a very low intensity. That's almost black. It's not very intense. Whereas with you know everybody who said when they were afraid, their hands got cold, so they or they felt weird in their tingly in their hands. So they put a lot of negative on there. So the hands may be bright white blue yeah. on fear, but for some reason one person said, "Well, my toes feel bad when I'm afraid." So that's less intense. So it's it's perfectly viable to model this, but it's it's. It's unfortunate that it's all self-reporting, that there's no way for us to independently say, yeah, people feel happiness all over, but sadness, it's all in their nasal cavity. But it it, uh, it could lead to putting lie detector stuff, you know. Well, maybe. <laughs> and we, we know I, that's kind I, of a joke. But... I, think that, I think it actually would be better in more like psychotherapy of – not confronting people on saying, all right, how are you feeling, you know, to that people might lie about it. You can subterfuge it to saying of, you know, just close your eyes and tell me where on your body you are feeling intense hmm. or feeling less sensitivity. So you can say, well, okay, most people, when they say that they've got a lot of um, intense feelings in their mouth and their stomach, that means they're disgusted with something. So this person who came to me talking about their romantic life, they're actually disgusted about something. Or, you know, you could use that in psychotherapy to identify how people are self-reporting. Yeah. That's the limit of this, of self-reporting, as opposed to a lie detector where, you know, you put something on somebody's finger. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to register an intense blood no, flow no, or no, something abso- like that. No, no, no. Absolutely not. But, but this does show that across at least two cult- cultures, people – Tend to think mm-hmm. they feel something, or or the lack of sensation in basically the same areas, similar right. areas. So you might be able to test for some chemical uh, release mm-hmm. or or some physiomotor response to a certain emotion. And given that, you might be able to actually do sort right. of like an infrared scan and we, see. We might know that when someone <laughs> is afraid. Because they have that fight-or-flight response, maybe the blood flow through their extremities decreases because they're trying to supply the heart and trunk. So maybe they do get colder on their fingers and toes. Right. Although although anger, they say, on their arms, which probably means like, you're about to I'm punch. I'm going to punch somebody. Yeah. Yes, that, that could happen. <laughs> a, a little aside, there's a tiny little tangent I think we have time for, huh. but the idea that they did this in Finland mm-hmm. and in Thailand mm-hmm. to say, all right, it's cross-cultural. I'm I'm thinking nowadays, as the world gets smaller and smaller and everything is much more global, everybody has a smartphone, everybody has access to the internet, that the whole way of being able to experiment in these far-flung places to say, 
this is purely biological as opposed to society, to cultural contamination, that's going to be less and less possible because the world is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. You may have people out in Thailand who 100 years ago, if you said cold feet, would have no idea what the fuck you were talking about. But because culture is becoming all one big humongous glob on the entire earth, the way of doing separate experiments to say this is this is very biological and human nature versus culturally we think you know I have heartburn so I'm well I I kind of agree with that except that every culture does have a different verbal description right I, I'm just that. saying that it may degrade and be less and less possible it, it's yeah no, over you're the right. next 500 years and that's why we have to start isolating people from society. <laughs> And that's what Facebook is for, <laughs> to isolate people so they're sitting in their own little house, not interacting with anybody else and not being contaminated. No, but they are interacting. That's the thing. Do you really think sharing like what, a, what you, what you sharing have a to, meme is interacting? <laughs> you, have to, you have to put them so that the, the culture that they're in uh, is, is its own culture so right. that you don't, you don't get uh, cold feet. You get, oh, I have knocky knees. You know, yeah. I have low like syndrome, so <laughs> right. you know. <laughs> yeah, because you can't you can't thumbs down on Facebook, so yes. you know there's no <laughs> negative emotion on Facebook. You really need, uh, but you do need those other t- things for like someone posts that their sister is sick and you want to support them, but you can't hit like because yeah. you don't want to say yes, I like that your sister is sick. Woo! You have to take your time <laughs> to think. Okay, I am supporting you. You're bitch. not in my. Th- prayers but you're in my thoughts because i'm an atheist but that's okay and you just have to have this whole big paragraph thing going on well that's what the uh, little smiley thing with the with the slashes yeah the mixed feelings emoticon yes. <laughs> okay fine be a little bit more precise than i <laughs> the man sometimes I... also known as the i'm about to vomit emoticon <laughs> exactly well that was fantastic greg <laughs> <laughs> Are you damning me with faint praise or inflated praise? Uh, inflated, of course. Because uh, we know that everybody, well, have low self-esteem. <laughs> so, yes. And, and we, yeah, so there was a, what, there was a study. There's a study published in the journal Psychological Science that um, was done by Eddie Brummelman. Finally, an easy name. Who um, Brummelfly? No, Brummelman. Okay. Not Barrowman, not Burrow like Elvis or anything like that. Brummelman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he said a name right. Brummelman. Um, <laughs> um and and this the study was all about saying that it seems that parents will have two types of praise for their kids. There's just general praise like you did a good job. And then there's inflated praise of you did a really good job. Or you did an incredibly good job, or something that's, like that's that. That's actually what I got from my from my dad a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so the the researcher Brummelman wanted to do, to see kind of what are the effects of that. So first he did a little experiment, just recording 114 parents and their kids administering a timed math test to the kid a few times, a few he different like, tests. He like videotaped them, right? Yes, video. Not duct tape the kids and the parents together and gave them a math test. No, that's not what they did. <laughs> what? I said taped. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, keep up, Gary. <laughs> so they videotaped these sessions of 
the parent administrating a timed math test to a kid and then scoring them and see what they said in their natural environment. So it was more of an observational study than an experimental study. And they found that about 25% of the time, the parents gave the kids inflated praise of, you did a really good job on average. The the extra intensifier in there of, you did an incredibly good job. I mean, that's an amazingly good answer or just adding an extra word in there to make it even more of a praise. And they found that apparently they they don't say in the articles that I was able to find on this because the journal isn't out yet. So, um, but they apparently administered self-esteem tests to these kids. And they found that the parents of low self-esteem kids were much more likely to give that inflated praise than just regular or high self-esteem kids. Well, sure, you don't want to give the kid an ego. (laughs) (laughs) But it was more like the parents of low self-esteem kids, the hypothesis is that they felt that they needed to give more praise to encourage the kid. Okay, sure. So fast forward to experiment number three. It's unfortunate that the articles on this mention experiment one and experiment three, and experiment two is lost to the sands of time. (laughs) But, (laughs) so... Experiment two was when they put the chip in the brain. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe experiment two was the self-esteem test. I don't know. But oh. experiment three was they took about 240 kids and they asked the kid to draw their version of Wild Roses by Van Gogh. Who's going to paint your wild roses? No, never mind. I just think more of the Doctor Who episode of Van Gogh now when I think of Van Gogh. Oh, Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, the British yeah, science yeah, fiction. Yeah. Richard will get this. Nobody else will. Uh, no, I got it. I forgot <laughs> okay. I forgot that they they went back to the, the Van Gogh thing. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful episode. Anyway, um, so the kids tried to draw it, and then randomly they were assigned a note from someone who they were told was a professional painter. So obviously an authority and an expert, and they were either given basically neutral feedback or – Regular praise or inflated praise. What they weren't told was that the painter actually was painted houses and not... uh... They were also not told that their regular (laughs) coffee was replaced with Folger's crystals. Those bastards. (laughs) That's the same kind of evil people who do that. So after the the drawing of the roses and then the either regular praise, uh, inflated praise, or neutral feedback, the kids were said were offered the choice of drawing two pictures. One would be very easy, and they wouldn't learn about it. Like, maybe they were told to draw a stick figure or something. I don't know the specific example. But the other one was something that was going to be difficult, but would teach them more. And what they found was that the children who had low self-esteem, but were given the excessive praise, were more likely to choose the easy task. Whereas the kids who had high self-esteem and were given the inflated praise, were more likely to choose the difficult picture to draw. So what you see is kids who have low self-esteem, but are given inflated praise that they might see as an adult being fake to them, essentially. They think, well, then I might as well not try. Or they have this elevated idea of, well, I drew something that was perfect, I have so lo- such low self-esteem that I'm just not going to try to reach for that gold ring. Right. I'm just going to do whatever I can do to pass. 
And oh, that, well, it, well, or they look at it and they say, I know I can do a good job on this picture. They told me I can do, I, so I'm going to do something where I will do well and get the praise, whereas the one where I'm going to do probably not do so well on, and I'll learn something, right. but I'll get criticized for it. That. That's good. That's something that's not mentioned in these articles, the idea of, well, I just want to fish wanna, for praise. Yeah, because it's like, you know, this is going to simplify it, but like, you know, you're really good at adding. So you, you're, that's what you do is you always add, you know, you, you don't, mm-hmm. you don't start doing multiplication because multiplication is hard, but you know, you can add. So you stick to that because that's what you know what to do. And so you never really progress. You just keep on doing what you're good at, for, mm-hmm. you know, which I, under, I understand that it's, it's nice to sit back and having a low self-esteem. It's, it's tough because you know, you're going to go out there and you know, you're going to fail. Mm-hmm. But putting yourself out to, to fail is one of the best things you can possibly do. And I actually have low self-esteem. <laughs> you know, I, right. I, 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 I took the tests and like I have imposter syndrome <laughs> and, you know, which is I'm always afraid someone's going to point, you know, find out. What that are I you really, doing here? Exactly. Yeah. Right. So but I also recognize that in its, in the more important drive in me is to do something that I don't know how to do. Because I know, one, that makes me a more interesting person to myself and hopefully to other people. But also, you know, yeah, I'm going to fail, but I also get to do some cool stuff. Right. right. And so that, I think that's that's probably something that, that you, you have to learn or have, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how I figured that one out. I, I thought about it, <laughs> basically. <laughs> I realized that doing the same thing over and over was really, really boring. Yeah. I may have jumped the gun when I was talking about that kids can tell when you're being fake. But they, but they can. That, that wasn't mentioned much in the article, but <laughs> that is also something I think about of if you have low self-esteem and someone is telling you, you did an amazing job, yeah. you may be less likely to believe it and then aren't going to try for that praise because you're not going to put any value in it because you don't think that it's actually – that you actually mean it. That's a, that's a very good point because, if, because having the low self-esteem, you – may not think you actually did all that great. So especially if you're kind of intro, introspective. Not to say that all low self-esteem people have great mm-hmm. introspection, but if you are introspective and someone says up comes up and you think you did it, okay, you kind of did it. Someone yeah. says up it's fantastic. You're likely to look at them and go, "Are you you what know blowing you smoke know? at my yeah. ass?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, you're right, you're right about and that. And it, sure. it it makes me think of when you're trying to just explain some new science concept to some kid, whether they're low or high self-esteem, you want to speak at their level but not condescend to them. Right. But you also don't want to speak way too highly and technical. you got to hit that sweet spot of explaining it so they can understand it, but not you're not treating them like a toddler when right. they're seven years old. Right. Or, you know, you, you really got to fit it right. And that's... Why with with praise and feedback and stuff like that, you also have to know your subject of, Mm -hmm. okay, I know that my second cousin Bob is a kid who's really down on themselves. I will just say, hey, good job. Right. And that's usually good enough to say, oh, cool. Whereas maybe the kid who's just always doing amazing in band or something. It's like, that was an amazing flute solo. That was incredible. Keep going. Cause they know they're at that level. Right. So you really have to know your audience as opposed to 
and um, we've probably talked about this in other other ideas and other articles, the kind of everybody wins a trophy philosophy, <laughs> right. where if everybody wins a trophy, you win it. It's like, well, everybody got one. What am I pushing myself for? If you're if you're really it's, well, it's like expert. syndrome. Once everybody's super, no one is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If 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 there's if everybody's treated the same and you tried really hard and you did really good, it's like, what's the point? And if you didn't really, if you don't have a lot of value in your skills and you didn't think you did really great, but you're still given a trophy, it's like the trophy's worthless. Either way, it doesn't mean as much. I remember as a kid, summer camp type things where everybody, okay, this is probably bad. PETA is going to jump on my ass about this. But you would capture a frog to do a frog jumping race thing. <laughs> you would each have your own frog. And very few frogs were hurt in this experiment. <laughs> no, you, you'd, yeah, you'd capture the frog and you jump, 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 and then you release it back into the wild. PETA, don't kill me. But, well, they probably would hate using, that anyway. Using, using <laughs> animals for your own entertainment. And then hey, we dogs, how you doing? Sit. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember when, um, when I entered Baron Von Greenback into the frog jumping races. <laughs> It's from Danger Mouse. Let it go. (laughs) When I got a bronze trophy, I was really proud of that. It's like, I was in the top three. Yeah. Not, and not everybody got a trophy. Right. And every kid is going to have different skills. So they're going to say, I can be really proud of my basket weaving skills. Okay. So I didn't do great at the swimming skills at summer camp. But you can, you can damn well choose a frog. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so yeah it, it has a lot to do with with that kind of let's not treat all the kids the same but also let's not dumb things down let's right. and and all that kind of fun stuff so i mean just this psychological stuff is really fascinating to me huh i i i, I wonder why didn't you didn't you get a degree in psychology yes because every psychology student is crazy and is just trying to figure themselves out yep that was that was my yeah. conclusion. But as I, well. I hate. I, I was never a big fan of developmental psychology or abnormal psychology because I didn't care not about enough the, ribbons. No, not enough <laughs> little bronze trophies for picking a frog. Um, but like, I don't care. Um, okay, I can't say that I don't care about the Charles Mansons of the world, but those aren't what fascinated me. Hmm. What fascinated me more, and kind of why I got into skepticism in the first place, was seeing how everybody reacts. The what is it? The Kitty Genovese story. Though it's been kind of been debunked, was was she the woman who was attacked in front of the apartment building, but nobody called the police? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. how average people react in average situations, right? And and how average people say, "Oh, I see a face in that toast. It must be Jesus." Right. Kind of all's one big thing, and you, it, yeah. People don't really need to know that much about me. I mean, they know right. You are more interested in the the psychology. Uh, rather than psychiatry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's no money in it, so now I'm a computer programmer. But there you go. <laughs> well, if you would have been in psychiatry, you could have been a damn good one. <laughs> yeah, so that's very nice. Give me 150 bucks. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You, How do you, you feel about You that? just weren't potty trained early enough. Now give me 100 that's bucks. Right. <laughs> All right. So, um, well, great job, Greg. <laughs> Wait a minute! I was gonna make that joke to you. 
You only put good job, Gary, on the damn thing. Damn you and your incredible <laughs> timing of your put-downs <laughs> or put-ups. or. So what did we learn this week? We learned that Elvis has left the building. <laughs> we learned that Baphomet is okay. Okay, sure. Yeah. We learned that in early February, the confrontation on creation, two men enter, one man lies, Nye versus Ham, be there! Beyond Thunderdome. <laughs> <laughs> we learned that E.T. is getting into, into marketing. Tegra. <laughs> K1 chip. <laughs> K1 chip. Fast. So Which the, sheep. <laughs> the, the pointy finger and the ET voice is a little creepy if you're talking about the Tegra KY. Chip. Yeah, right. Which goes back to Kentucky. Yes. <laughs> okay. It does. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, that, on, that, that's, where the, uh, that's where the that's where the confrontation on creation is. Um, probing questions. Probing questions. Exactly. Uh, we learned that Kim Jong Un isn't as bad as you think in the way you don't think, but is as bad as you think in the way that you think. And he likes puppies. I think? I think. Therefore, you is. We also learned that happiness is a warm feeling all over your body. <laughs> okay, <laughs> now I need a warm gun. <laughs> and lastly, we learned that Greg did a fantastic job this week on the podcast, but Gary sucks. <laughs> At least on the story about inflated praise. Exactly. So, uh, Greg, thanks for joining me this week and coming all the way across San Antonio. Well, thank you, Gary, for opening your house, and hopefully Donna can join us again next week. That would be good, yeah. We're, we're back into the uh, one-person-missing uh, rotational <laughs> rotational host. It, life just sometimes gets away. I had a deathly cold. You have schoolwork. Donna has big business deals. Yeah. Anyway, so thanks for joining us. We'll talk at you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The Skeptic Wire podcast theme music is by Oscar Lawn with guest mandolin by Greg Perrine. If you've enjoyed listening to The Skeptic Wire, leave a review on iTunes or leave us a voice message via the PodPosted app for iPhone. Friend us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at The Skeptic Wire. Follow our blog at skepticwire.blogspot.com or send us an email, skepticwire at gmail.com. You've been listening to The Skeptic Wire. Okay. Last minute frog in your throat? Was it Baron von yeah. Greedback? <laughs> I guess so. I, I had not heard of Baron von Greenback. Why am I getting hair down there, Google? <laughs> I, had, I had a book called What's Happening to Me that my, my parents gave gave us brothers uh, at various times, not all at once. But I never got the talk. I just watched PBS, so I saw enough you know, science <laughs> shows about Sex and sexuality. Hey, that Bert, I... what's happening to me? <laughs> Oscar the Grouch questioning his sexuality. You know, the whole thing. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> oh, dear. <sighs> Elmo likes to watch. <laughs> well, this is long before Elmo was ever... Yes. With 
my voice going to change? <laughs> so, speaking of getting hair down there. Right, because Oklahoma put up, the, or, or Tulsa, Oklahoma, <clears throat> decided to put up a Ten Commandments statue uh, at their city hall or whatever it was, courthouse, I don't remember. Yeah, I'm not going to even Google that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The thing that's actually germane to something we wanted to talk about on the show, and you're like, ah, fuck it. It's, it's some place in Oklahoma. Yeah, no, it was Where the, the uh... whole point of the problem is that it's not at someone's house or someone's church. It's on public grounds somewhere, which no, it's, is... It's, it's the Oklahoma State House. Okay. Which um, I, I thought was, was in uh, Oklahoma City. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. It is Oklahoma City. So, okay, let's back up. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> because there's the whole thing about Tulsa. Oh, the Satanist. The, or sorry, the uh, witch casting spells is still Tulsa. I'm conflating. <laughs> That's how you got all confused. I'm, I'm conflating two different stories. Okay. Well.